Hallelujah. Praise his name. He is worthy of all worship and all glory because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We serve a faithful God who still speaks to us. No matter where we come to the place where we're located, and he, he seems to bring it around when we least expect it. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you feel that you're not going to hear from God because you might have said, I'm, it's a little early in the morning, know this, that God, even in your weakest or in your most downest times, he will speak to you. You said, I'm tired right now, Lord. I can't hear anything. But God says, that's okay. I'm going to meet you where you are. I'm going to meet you down here. God will bring it down to your level because he is a good God. He's a faithful God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want, to, I want to start with a few things to say here because it's been passing me by. But I want to give honor to Pastor. And I don't know where he's at, but I said to him, it's long. I've, I've been up here a few times, and I just want to give honor to the Lord for allowing him to put me in a place that I am right now. Uh, you know, it's, it doesn't matter where you go. Again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, people will talk to you, strangers, that God will send. But giving this the notice that some of us were at conference yesterday, I can't, I can't hold it back. But I have to say that if you went to that conference and you came here today, you're not the same person. You, you, were, you have to be changed. If there was an unbeliever that walked into the place, he came back as a believer because there were things that were happening there that are unexplainable, only explainable if you see what God does in the midst of his people. Praise the Lord. Amen. And again, giving thanks not only to Bishop, I'm sorry, to Pastor, but also to Bishop. Sister also, you know, she's, she's a very encouraging person. But most importantly, I want to thank all those who also encouraged me. You know, it takes a whole body to make, help somebody move forward. It's not just one person. It's the prayers and, you know, it's the consecration. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for a church that prays. But also most important, I want to give thanks to my wife, you know. I am somebody hard to deal with, but um, God has given her the patience to deal with somebody like me. And I tell you, if she can deal with me, she can deal with anybody else. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. Praise God. But I want to share something also as well. Before I left here uh, on, uh, I should say, I guess it was Friday, yeah. God spoke to me, and I, I had written something down for the message, and, and I took it down because I thought perhaps it has nothing to do with the message but it, has some, it did have something to do with them. It had something to do with where we went and when we came back. And here's what God showed me. That in the midst of his house, where his people dwell, we are surrounded by his angels. This would be the third time, or fourth time actually, me speaking about it. But here did three times prior to that. But he wanted, God wanted me to say this, that just as it was in the Ark of the Covenant, where his angels surrounded about, where they were there, in the midst of it, is God dwells in that secret place, in that place. This is where we are right now. We are in the place of, of mercy and of grace. And God says that he, he, he has surrounded his people with, with his glory, but his angels are in the midst to minister to those who come seeking ministering. How many of us have come today saying, Lord, I need some ministering today? I need some ministering from you, Lord God, because I can't make it on my own. It's just not going to happen. This is why we need Jesus. We need him. We thank you, Lord. Sorry, guys. We're going to move on a little bit here just a bit. Praise God. Praise the Lord.
And in doing so, going on to the scriptures, uh, if you will turn your Bibles to Psalm 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll start with that, that scripture there, and we'll kind of go on from there. Psalm 1, 1, the word of God reads, blessed is the man, and of course this also pertains to the woman, just, just to kind of give you an idea with that, okay. Uh, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word, Lord. Your word, Lord God, comes to us, Lord, and we have it within our midst, Lord, to understand who you are and what, what you want to say to us. And that when you say what you say to us, Lord, you mean it, Lord. And you don't scold us, Lord, but you, you say it in love that we may understand the scriptures much more perfectly, Lord, when we come together. And that you would anoint every mind and every heart right now, Lord. That your word would be set, Lord God. That this ground of the heart would be broken, Lord. And that we only adhere, Lord God, to your counsel, Lord God. Your word is our counsel. The Holy Ghost, mighty God, confirms that. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You guys got patience for me. <laughs> Praise God. All right. The, the title of our message is Walking in, in Righteousness. Walking in Righteousness. It's in, you know, I, as I explore the word and I, I discover there's so much to talk about in righteousness, so I, I kind of had to really kind of pick from everywhere that God showed me because he says, my righteousness is all over this word. It is, it is what about his rights. And Matthew 6, chapter 6, verse 33, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So we're apostolic, so we know how to seek the kingdom of God, right? We know that it's uh, those who found it, much, much sooner than I did, it was, it was coming to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ was and knowing that baptism in Jesus' name was the beginning of a new life. And so we have the beginning of a new life. <clears throat> Excuse me. What happens after that is baptism in Jesus' name. So again, Acts 2.38, we obey the scriptures. Peter uh, preached it on Pentecost. And he says, unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, upon entering through this revelation, obedience to the word, we must still maintain our access to the kingdom. And the question is sometimes, well, how do we do that? We know how to get into the place. Now, you may be thinking, well, I thought it was by grace, because I know that we, we also teach that. that it's, it's not by works, but by the grace of God. But also... That the grace of God comes in through the actions that we take. We have to take an action in order for the grace of God to apply. Now, the grace is already applied, but in order for us to be caught up in that grace, we have to be active into that, if that makes any sense. Praise God. So then it says, would, uh, would grace apply if I just believed? And the answer would be, we know that that's no, because there's more to it. Being baptized in Jesus' name does not guarantee salvation. It is the beginning of new life. Nonetheless, you must maintain ourselves in accordance with the word of God. Our acts of believing and in what we do, God gives us grace. God acts through our actions toward him. And our acts have to be in relation to, the, to his will 
and not ours. The Bible said you must be born of water and of the spirit. That must happen. It's a given. We do our part and God does his. So in Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now we've seeked it, but now we've got to go after what he says and his righteousness so that everything can be added on. So here's the part where at times, I th- and I, even I had problems with this. So they'll be like, oh, man, I had problems with this. These things should be added unto you. And I wanted it all, but I couldn't have it all because there was a, a, there was a growth here. And, here. and again, righteousness is one of the tr- cheap attributes of God. And we find in the Bible it is used, uh, referring to that what he does and declares this is God. And he uses it to describe and distinguish things that are out of place or wrong. Righteousness. And the word righteous appear 540 times in 520 verses. This has got to be pretty significant. There's good reason for it. Therefore, when coming across it, we should take heed to it, examine it, the purpose and how it's used. And does it apply to me? It should uh, because it'll, it'll usually say, It'll say righteousness, or it could also say these people do are not righteous. So, again, kind of a highlight there. Again, it's got one of God's attributes. The word righteous is somewhat self-explanatory. The definition is understood by the beginning of the word, right. Right means correct, agreement to whatever the case may be. The suffix O-U-S, for those who are teachers, <laughs> this, is not a, this is not a lesson. I just want to get, put some emphasis on there. Adds to the word by making it, and then adds it, making it as a possessing or full of. So somebody who is right, but yet they're right for the moment. But somebody who is righteous has, continues to do something right, and then after that continues to right. In other words, living for God is right. But then, then you also have the word righteousness. Now, when you put the N-E-S into it, it gives it another spin. But in a, in, in a great way, it talks about the quality of righteousness. And God is that. God is righteousness. So when we, the Bible says that our, we're, you know, our righteousness is as filthy rags, but God is righteousness. And this is why the Bible says for us to put on righteousness because his righteousness clears us of, clears us of all deeds. Praise God. Praise the Lord. All right, so, again, Romans, again, God, righteousness, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 3. And this is something that relates, again, we want to know, because if we don't know, there's there's always consequences, right? I mean, I want to, and I'll explain a little bit more on this. Uh, For by, Romans 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 3, for by they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, again, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So people can have their own righteousness. It's just not godly. We can be good people, but it's just not godly. Now do it and say, you know what, I am doing this for the living. Because now your heart is seeking for the righteousness of God, and you're doing so in your life as you continue to change. I heard, I heard Brother Roger's not here today, but he spoke about ignorance is bliss. This is one day when I was sick and I didn't make it. But I heard it, and it was good. And I saw the, uh, the little bird standing there and the snake behind it. This bird didn't know what was going to take it out. He was going to wipe him out. He was going to be gone. 
But the question is, you know, I don't know if he went into depth. I don't recall that. But I'm going to go just a little bit more different. It says what it, what it means is ignorance is peace. In other words, if you don't know about it, you're not worried about it. But here's the problem. How does it compare to God's word? Is that does it is it 100% proof? Obviously not because it's it didn't come from scripture. God's righteousness, and again, I'm going to speak in a little short, a short story. It's, I walked into a rest, well, God's righteousness is, is sovereign. Again, it's, it's in, uncomparable to any other righteousness. So I walk into a, uh, a restaurant, and I go in there to order some food, and I see this young man at the counter. <clears throat> and this man, you know, he seems like, man, this, uh, you know, he's a nice, nice kid. And so I start to talk to him, and I, as I speak to him, uh, I noticed that he is, you know, he is very, very uh, responsive. I'm like, oh, this is good. I like this. You know, uh, so I, maybe this could be somewhere, this could be outreach right here. So when I go out, I don't always just go order food. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to reach some souls. So I speak to this individual. And I said, hey, how's it going? And he starts giving me back. And, well, so I continue to order, you know, and I go back. I'm sorry, I go back week after week. And I start to get to know him a little better. Now we get real comfortable and we start to open up. And, um. You start asking the questions. We start asking the questions. So I said to him, um, I said, how is, uh, you know, I, I'm just curious, how is it that you, you know, that you, you do this job? And again, making conversation with him. And so he tells me all about it. And so then I said to him, hey, so uh, out of the blue, I start talking to him about Jesus. And the first thing that he says to me is, Ignorance is bliss. This is after I've invited him to church. And I said, oh, okay. So pretty much he's telling me, uh, no thanks. Um, I want, and not that he didn't want anything to do with it, but he pretty much did say that in a sense. So there I am, and I'm thinking, all right. So I said, ignorance is bliss. He says, yeah. And I said, okay. Do you know what that means? He says, oh, yeah. So he explains it to me. He said, Yes. I have no worries. I don't, I don't know anything about it. It doesn't matter. So I said to him, so even a building. And you were at, again, you have no knowledge of what's going on outside. You're asleep in the building, and the building is on fire. This is something, by the way, I, I saw an evangelist do, so I said, I'm going to use it. And I took advantage of it. I'm going to use it. I'll tell you, you see stuff like that? Use it. It's good. It's good. And I said to him, I said to him, what would you do? And he looks at me kind of in a daze. I said, wouldn't you want somebody to tell you that the building's on fire? And he looks at me, and he dawns on him. And he knows I'm going in for the kill. <laughs> so I said to him, I said to him, you are standing in a building, in a burning building right now, and you need Jesus to save you. I say, you need Jesus to save you. And, it's, and he's the only one who can save you. No one else can. That is what the Bible teaches. So he slowly starts to back up and he starts to, you know, kind of elaborate. And, or say, not, uh, starts concern that grows over him. Uh, he just, I don't know what I want to say. And then he's, uh, he mentioned uh, that his family was religious and, and his, his grandmother does Bible studies. And I'm like, okay. And I, I figured out pretty much from there on that that's as far as it's going to go. So I, I, you know, I let off on it. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I gave him something to think about, or at least I hope that I did. 
clearly the analogy, we know that the building, again, it's burning, right? If you're in the building, you're, you want to know if somebody, uh, or th that there's fire there, and you want to get out. So the idea is to, hey, give me a hands, uh, give, me a, give me a heads up. And that's what we do. We give a heads up to those that are standing in burning bills and don't even realize it. By the time the burnt, we can't do anything for them anymore. They have to start somewhere. But here's something else. Uh, we either jump out of the window and jump for Jesus, trusting he will catch us, or we burn in the place we call our safe haven because we chose to know nothing else of God. So, again, he made that choice. But before you jump, we know this. We want to get to know him. We want to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We need a relationship with him. Righteousness exposes unrighteousness. This is the hard hitter right here. I felt that, you know, in my heart. And I said, Lord, I need you to help me with this one because this was a little bit harder for me because I walked through this one. And it was hard for me to walk through this one. So it says, the mind of an unrighteous person says, I will remain ignorant of it. Therefore, I don't have to change. If anyone else, if anybody has ever mentioned one or testified you have opened that window of their knowledge to know nothing. Now they know something. So now they're held accountable for what they know. It, that, that's, that's the Bible. And so they're held accountable. That means that they have to now, they have to do the outreach. They have to reach out. You talking about Jesus. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants to do all these things with you. But you got to give your life to Jesus. And if they don't make that, re if they don't reach out, then there's going to be nothing that's going to come back from that because they have not reached out. But God can do miracles. I can tell you that right now. I'm not going to say that they, God can bring them in. But there has to be a stirring in their hearts and their spirit. Uh, and I think some of us have gotten people because of, uh, you know, talk to us about these scenarios happening with uh, COVID and so forth where it stirs their hearts with fear. And fear we know that it's not of God, but it's of the enemy. However, the fear that they have is of death. And when fear of death comes to them, guess what happens? They start to, fe they start to seek the God that says there is no fear in death. Because Jesus Christ did away with the grave. It's no longer within our grasp. For us, we go, we go to where God has directed us because righteousness. All right. Has it ever, and again, uh, for the very fact uh, though they know this thing, as I mentioned, they know what they know. Uh, it shows their unwillingness uh, to know that that righteousness is is good, but unrighteousness is where they prefer to dwell. Again, I said that earlier. I, I've been guilty of this, and I'll share this testimony. I was trying to, and this is this is when I first came to the Lord. I was looking for a reason not to go to church. I said, "It's okay. God knows my heart. He sure does." He sure does. He told me in Jeremiah he knew my heart. Here's what he said. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He does. He does. And I said, okay, Lord. Now, when it came to me, again, it was hard for me to chew. And I'm like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But he knew exactly what he was talking about. He knew exactly what he was talking about. He knew that if I skipped one day, I'd want to skip another one and then another one and then another one. And then I'm, now I'm set. Now, guess what? In me doing that, I'm no longer taking in what's good, that righteousness of God. The word, the word that delivers. God's righteousness weighs, uh, outweighs uh, our thoughts in such a way that it overpowers our ability to make wrong decisions 
when we hold his laws through our convictions. Now, convictions can either be personal or they can, and I'm going to say this, or they can be biblical. Personal convictions are things, uh, and I'm reading Brother Bernard's book where he talks about a young man who used to go to a skating arena. And the reason he used to go to the skating arena is because that's where he would date people. So if you get my drift. So he made it, this is his conviction, he no longer goes there for that purpose. That is a personal conviction. That doesn't apply to anybody else but him. I also have personal convictions. But I also have biblical convictions. Biblical convictions that convict me because there's a righteousness of God that's been applied to my life when I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. So it says here, to do th something in ignorance, it does not receive a harsh judgment as of doing it something intentional or knowingly. And I bring up the scripture, uh, Genesis 20, 3 through, uh, 3 through 7. And uh, I'm not sure if I brought that one. Yeah, I did. Okay, so here uh, we have Abimelech, who uh, if anybody has ever read, uh, gone through this chapter recently, you'll find that Abimelech has been caught uh, with Abraham's wife. Now, he didn't touch her, but even so, he, didn't, he did it, again, not knowingly. In other words, he didn't know. He declares in the scripture, I didn't pull it up. Again, it says, but God came to Abimelech in a dream. And he said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. That's okay. Go to uh, verse 7 for me, if you would. Thank you. Four is fine. And Abimelech, okay. And that says, now, therefore, check this out. This is after he realizes. Now, Abimelech is, is confronting, not confronting the Lord. I'm sorry. He is the, he's saying, Lord, I did this not knowing. Did they not say that? It was his sister. Did he not, she not say it was his brother? So, you know, his mind is, uh, he, he had no idea. But here's what God says. Even though that happened, now therefore restore the man, his wife, for he is a prophet. And he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die. And thou art, that, I'm sorry, and uh, thou and all that are thine. So he says, you either return her or I'm going to kill you and I'm going to take the entire of whatever it is that you have. He's gonna, he was going to strip them. But I'm pretty sure the Bible says that he was a good man and so he restored her. Praise God. So again, it's, it's an ignorance that something's happened. God still restores. Just because we do something, it's a mistake. doesn't mean like, oh, I made this mistake. I didn't do it. Oh, I didn't do it intentional. God forgives that. It's, it's the intentional thing, the intentional thing that God has a problem with. Okay, praise the Lord. Nevertheless, uh, it needs to be addressed. Uh, thanks be to the Lord for his mercy and endurance. Uh, I because his mercy endureth forever. Matthew 5.18, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth shall pass away, uh, one jot or one tittle, this is Matthew 5.18, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. The Bible says he's coming back for a church without spot. This is the Lord. And in Isaiah 6, but we are all as unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Clearly Isaiah knew who he was talking about. This is God speaking to him. So we have, and again, so we have to put on the righteousness of Jesus. I said that earlier. But then we also see in Job 29, 14, I put on righteousness and enclothe me. My judgment was a robe with a diadem. I hope I said that. 